And now, your go-to source for year-round fantasy hockey advice, DFS, and betting coverage. This is NHL Fantasy on Ice, presented by Skip, the official food delivery app of the NHL. Just like that, week one of the NHL season is in the books with plenty of surprises and disappointments thus far. Brought to you by our good friends over at Skip. Welcome to another edition of NHL Fantasy on Ice, week two, waiver wire edition. First and foremost, make sure you head on over to NHL.com slash fantasy for a look at the entire list we're about to talk about. Nick Alberga, Pete Jensen, and Anna do it with you. What's going on, Nick? Great to see you. Skip, of course, the official food delivery app of the NHL. And yeah, some early developments, Anna. We're looking at a lot of these off-season movers. Some big names, some you know lesser-known commodities, like just off the top of my head, John Klingberg, Riley Smith, right? Daniel Sprong, guys making a big difference for their new teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were a lot of surprises and a lot of disappointments, I would say, in this first week of the NHL season. So, so many fans have written into us asking which players to add and drop. So I'm excited to get into it with you guys. So Anna, I want to get it off the top here. Uh, your strategy when it comes to the waiver wire, because all, all, all of ours, even us three are different, right? I, I love manipulating the schedule. There's a wait and see approach. You can go after it right away. So what approach do you take right away? Because we've got some interesting names on this list, but sometimes... This early in a season, I'm hesitant to, to cut bait on guys this quickly. I'm right there with you, Nick. I'm mostly looking at the schedule. This year is different for me than any other season because I've said this a numerous amount of times. There's so much depth in the NHL. So you really want to make use of that this year because a lot of teams are rolling like three, sometimes even four very solid lines. And we're seeing a lot of those bottom six guys be productive. Some guys are in certain line of positions because other guys are out with injuries and you really want to take advantage of that while you can, right? So when there's a timeline on some of those guys, for example, Tara Vinen of the Carolina Hurricanes, he's a player I'm looking at. He's on their second line right now. When Andrei Svechnikov comes back, is he still going to have that lineup placement? I don't know. So he's a guy I'm absolutely picking up this week. And Nick, it's funny, right? You look at the Yahoo transaction trends. Uh, Tara Vinen has been oh, added in about 15,000 or 20,000 leagues in the past day, even though the Hurricanes got blitzed yesterday by the Anaheim Ducks. And uh, one guy that impressed me so far this season from those Anaheim Ducks that took the Canes by surprise, Jamie Drysdale, a guy we were talking about here and there in the offseason, but we still had that injury concern. But that's a guy like when he's out there on power play one, when he's dishing the puck like that, he's going to get points by accident. And it's just a player that I was pretty fond of two years ago, but just got ravaged by injury last year. Yeah, I'm excited for what he could put together here with the Anaheim Ducks. By the way, I like those uh, those Ducks X jerseys from the 90s. Uh, yeah. Bookmark this as well, producer Bob Bender. Eight straight homeowners the Anaheim Ducks have won. I don't know why I wasn't all over that. They own the Carolina Hurricanes too, but nevertheless, yeah. It was a good bounce back, and I do love these stories too, guys, of like people making their debuts. Greg Cronin, new head coach of the Anaheim Ducks, gets his debut off the bat here. So, I mean, it's it's always good to see those type of narratives those type of storylines. But Anaheim's a team. Pete, I just need more offense from that team. Hopefully this is the season. Yeah, I, I'm a little hesitant to go too heavy on any of their players, uh, whether it's McTavish, Terry, Zegris, everybody knows about. I would not touch the goaltending with a 10-foot pole, even if they're playing at home. But yeah, it is cool to see, like when you see the Wild Wing jersey, and you see that with the Sabres too, right? Like through the years when they wear the black jerseys black and red like they play at a different level those jerseys uh, i liked them they made a difference last night 
Guys, I don't know if my like theory for this fantasy advice that we're giving to our fans right now is going to be base your waiver wire pickups on the jersey the team is wearing <laughs> like right it. now. I feel like that's a little bit far-fetched of a strategy, but nonetheless, good on the Anaheim Ducks for the performance they put up last night. I did want to say, though, if we're talking about disappointments, there are a couple of eye-openers that have not yet had a win. Buffalo is one of them. Edmonton, probably the biggest one. Florida, they went to the cup final. They look lost right now. They're depleted by injury. Um, who, which one has stood out for you for the wrong reasons and is a cause for concern at this point? We're only two, three games into the season. It may sound ridiculous. To me, it's Edmonton, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Start with Nick. Pete, can you take a wild guess who I'm going to pick? Just a wild guess. It's the <laughs> Buffalo Sabres. For, I think we spent the entire summer talking about the Buffalo Sabres and uh, the Ottawa Senators in that conversation too. And, and this is the way Buffalo comes out. They're, they're handled on, on home ice to start the season, and the Islanders just outclassed them in that game. They got to get things cooking you know, quickly because I think you look at that Atlantic division, Anna, there are teams already starting off hot, and we figured out in years before – you start off that way and you're going to be in trouble really, really quickly if you're Buffalo. But who do you have, Anna? I agree with you. It's the Buffalo Sabres. They're the one team in the list that Pete just gave that really has something to prove, right? They can't fall back on their performance from last season and expect it to pick up some point during the year. They didn't make the postseason last year. They haven't made the postseason in a long, long time, so they needed every win that they could get. And you're right, Nick. It's really competitive in the East. We say that all the time, but there's some teams that have surprised me in week one, like even the Montreal Canadiens. They've held their own to start this year, guys. I'm very impressed with the way they've been performing there's a couple guys on that team that I'm looking at as maybe depth ads if they can keep this momentum going right now and same division as Buffalo you really don't want to be in a worse position than Montreal to kick off your year I tell you guys um they're gonna throw a summit in Edmonton after back-to-back losses to the Vancouver Canucks <laughs> like it's it's that crazy I'm telling you and because I live in this market Anna you're here right now uh they're they're not very happy in Edmonton Pete yeah, they got to have a summit with all the analytics gurus across the so. sport, right? They need to yeah. have like one of those Sloan conferences to dissect how this happened in the past two days. Um, I think with Vancouver, they're healthy. They're motivated to, you know, switch the narrative from the past couple of years. You got to give them some credit. The goaltending has been strong. The defense is playing motivated hockey right now. But for Edmonton, like my biggest concern, Matias Ekholm came back on Saturday only played about 15 minutes. If they don't have this guy healthy, functional, playing 20, 25 minutes a night, they're not going to go very far in the regular season, Anna, let alone in the postseason. So that's probably my biggest concern, defensive awareness and structure in front of the goaltending, which both guys have not looked pretty so far. It's not ideal for this this being the way to start the season. However, there's no really big area for me to be really worried, guys. I mean, the top-end talent on this team is insane. You're going to get the benefits of that. They're making the postseason. They're going to have to be really, really bad and keep this going for a long time for them to miss the postseason. I'm sure they're going to turn it around, and those elite players on this team are going to start scoring at ridiculous rates, and everyone's going to benefit from it. So if there's one team that I'm giving some bandwidth to, it's absolutely this squad right here because – after week one, this would have to go on for like a month for me to actually be concerned with how much talent they have on this team. Exactly. And I think you want to talk about elite. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been a big story. And Pete, that's where we can start with looking at the waiver wire list. Again, I like to exercise patience. I wouldn't jump the gun on some of these guys. But the name that stands out for me is Riley Smith. He's had a hot start here with the Pittsburgh Penguins, Pete. Yeah, they've only played, you know, three games, but he has 12 shots on goal. He's got three points. Um, they also got a win from Nedeljkovic 
over the weekend, which may, might be a upgrade in the backup department. You never know if Jari gets injured or falters at some point. He's been a efficient goaltender in the past, Anna, that maybe they could lean on a little bit and maybe a reclamation project that could, you know, rediscover his fantasy relevance uh, in a 1B role for a pretty strong team. I mean, they had Gensel come back opening night. Brian Rust is healthy and playing well. Raquel's on the second line, right, with Malkin. Malkin is one of the biggest studs so far in the NHL season to date, right, through a couple of games. Uh, he's been like a top five player in the league so far. And Riley Smith is on that line too with Malkin mm-hmm. and Raquel. I think that's another strategy. I know I mentioned it a little bit with Tara Vinen that I look at specifically on the waiver wire is who they're playing with. And Malkin has been lights out since this year started. Riley Smith is playing there right with him. As long as he's on that line, he's a player I'm absolutely targeting. And I like the Penguins. I think the Penguins have high upside. Even if they lose games, they're going to stay in it. They're going to have some shots on goal. They're going to have some goals. And I'm looking at a guy like Riley Smith to benefit in wins and losses, Nick. Yeah, I like Smith. Shoots the puck quite a bit. He has the last couple of years. Uh, not in the vicinity of like a Nathan McKinnon who had 14 shots on goal over the weekend, but like he's producing right now. And I think last I saw, uh, he's around 60% ownership is Riley Smith. So definitely a name we're looking at. You guys know I love manipulating the schedule. We'll get to the schedule a bit later on. But Nikki Schmaltz is a guy I'm looking at this week because of a four-game week for the Arizona Coyotes. There's a couple teams out there like you're still waiting for them to play. But Pete, what was your initial reaction to Arizona? And how about a Nick Schmaltz play here? I mean, Nick Schmaltz has been automatic for like three years, close mm-hmm. to a point per game. And uh, to me, the Coyotes went in there. I mean, Bobby was texting with us. They're going to be the desert underdogs all season long. You see it, right? Rangers opening night for New York coming up on Monday. I mean, that's a trap game for the Rangers. They just lost to the Blue Jackets. The the Coyotes are going to steamroll in there. They have more depth than the Rangers, and it's going to be fun to watch this team take a lot of teams by surprise. You love to see Michelli getting so much ice time out there. Logan Cooley making a difference with high-quality shots on goal and drawing penalties and key moments of the game against the Devils. I'm really impressed, and Vimelka as well. I would go out and pick up Vimelka. We were talking about that in the offseason, Anna. This is where the recency bias, I think, comes into play. A lot of people are kind of turned off by the fact that Nick Schmaltz has been dealing with injuries as of late. But when he's healthy, he's truly a point-per-game player. I had the Coyotes making the postseason this year. Obviously, I'm buckling down on that. But on top of that, I took Nick Schmaltz in regular drafts, guys, in deeper leagues. So I'm surprised he's even like on our waiver wire list this week because in my eyes, it's a no-brainer. Capitalize on this momentum. The Coyotes are going to want to get off to a hot start. And I've liked what I've seen from Nick Schmoltz so far. And even when they're not playing well, point per game player. How can you overlook a guy like that, Nick? You can't. And, and we have to use this platform to implore people out there to pick up Logan Cooley. Guys, the, the last I checked, he was at like 40% uh, owned in, in, in Yahoo Standard Leagues, which is ridiculous. Like considering his debut, considering the preseason, the pedigree, he's coming at which into this season. So definitely look there. Look at Arizona this week in, in general with a four game slate. I'll be surprised. I, I, I won't lie, Pete, I should say. The Vegas Golden Knights have been a big story for me. I, I expected some sort of hangover. They weren't great in the preseason. They, they've been excellent thus far. And it seems like a guy who's always on our radar, and rightfully so, who's like a fringe fantasy guy but always seems to elevate, is Chandler Stevenson, who made your list this week, Pete. Yeah, I mean, just look at what he's done the past couple of years. 64 points, 65 points, now five points in three games. I mean, and people still overlook him in drafts. People still think of the third liner in Washington. I mean, that was like 
five plus years ago, people wake up, right? Chandler Stevenson is like one of the best players on the reigning Stanley Cup champions, and uh, and he gets no respect out there. So we'll give him the respect here on the show. He's a must-own player in all fantasy formats, even if you're in a shallow league. I mean, even in hindsight, in that smaller draft, we you could have taken him as the first Golden Knights player, you know, that we did on the YouTube draft. So you know, he deserves a lot more respect than he's getting. One of the most productive players in the league uh, so far this season. He does. He fell a lot in every single draft that I was in. I think he was taken towards the end in almost all of them. So once again, another player I'm surprised is still available. So pick him up if he is available in your league. However, I'm curious about like what people think about the Vegas Golden Knights, Nick. Like, Why is everyone so afraid of picking up guys from this team outside of Jack Eichel? Chandler Stevenson, he's playing with Mark Stone. He was an integral part of them winning the Stanley Cup. Now I said how recency bias plays against Nick Schmaltz. Shouldn't it play in like the benefit of a guy like Chandler Stevenson? Yeah, I, you know, that that's the most curious question every season, right? Because I, I just think you look at that depth of that Vegas team and you look at the concerns of injuries with like Eichel and Stone and guys like that. And Theodore gets banged up quite a bit and Petrangelo that people seem to stay away. So I think we're advising all fantasy owners to maybe dive back in here on the Vegas Golden Knights. Aiden Hill's been a great story. The goaltending's been solid. Like that's probably the one surprise for me which is weird to say because they won the Stanley Cup last year, was the fact that Vegas is off to an impeccable start. Uh, I wanted to get as well to, to Boone Jenner, the captain of the Columbus Blue Jackets. Obviously a polarizing story, guys, in training camp, but I didn't have a natty hattie, a natural hat trick from Boone Jenner on my Saturday night docket. What a story. But I think he he quietly covers a lot of categories, shots on goals sometimes, hits, penalty minutes, uh, scoring goals now, and... And certainly we're waiting for the dust to settle, Pete, when it comes to the top six there in Columbus. But we knew the favorable uh, deployment that we're going to probably see from Boone Jenner. And so far he's getting it and he's taking advantage of it here. Well, we were talking about it, right, Anna? They're one of the most improved teams in the offseason. I mean, even look, they lost their top defenseman, Zach Wierenski, to injury. He's out week to week. They call up that kid Yerichek, scores a goal in the first game, and they you know, take the Rangers by surprise the other day. So I'm impressed by their depth. I think they've built a, a strong young core in this league. Patrick Lyonne seems motivated, you know, playing a little center there. Seems like he's ready and equipped to go against the, some of the big dogs around the league. So, and factor in the young talent, the Michigan connection. There's a lot to like about this Blue Jackets team now and moving forward. They're, uh, they're kind of flying under the radar right now. I like Boone Jenner last year. Like, I understand yeah. this team is way improved this season than they were last season, but this guy has been a fantasy stud throughout his career, at least as of late, even last season. He led the Blue Jackets in goals, right? People forget that. He had the second most shots on goal on the team with 214 and 68 games. Johnny Gaudreau had the most, but he only had six more shots than Boone Jenner and played 80 games, right? So he has high shot volume. He's been a stud. He goes on these like hot streaks too. So when he's scoring, that's a great time to pick him up because I've seen Boone Jenner get three, four, five games in a row where he finds the back of the net every single time. And I don't know, like I get that this team is way improved, but Boone Jenner as a standalone player has never like wronged me in fantasy. I like it. And he's dual eligible um, as well now with the center left wing. So that's something to look at when it comes to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Pete, it's a diamond in the rough type. You're on the waiver wire. Like two names that really stick out on your list. We talked about one earlier contract here at Tavo Teravine and the other is uh, Andrew Mangiapane with the Calgary Flames. You, both bounce back candidates by the way but Calgary's off to a pretty decent start and I think if you're looking for value on the waiver wire right now P, you look to Mangiapane. 
Definitely. He's been a guy that's been really productive, especially in the goal scoring department, Anna, in recent years. Last year dealt with an injury down the stretch and stuff like that. So we were kind of reluctant to be, you know, too high on him and he fell yeah. in drafts as a result. Uh, but he's healthy, alive and well up there on the top line with Jonathan Huberdo and contract year Elias Lindholm, who has been smoking so far. So I mean, it's a fun group to watch. You know, maybe take away the shackles a little bit, right, that Daryl Sutter had on that offense and putting Huberto on the wrong side and, you know, moving him around the lineup when his production wasn't there. Like, they have a new coach with Huska, and he was an assistant there last year. That's always something that I like to see when an assistant takes over and tweaks some things and does some things uh, a little bit better uh, by the player's side. I think that's what's happening here. The only thing I worry about with Mangiapane, and I had this feeling last season too when he was on a little bit of a hot streak, it's the shooting percentage. When is it going to fall off, right? He has two goals on three shots on goal. So that's insane. He's definitely not going to be able to maintain that. And that happened last year too, guys. And then it kind of like falls off. I'm not as sold on the Calgary Flames as both of you are. So he's a player that I would pick up for a short period of time. But with a guy like Teravainen on the list, if he's available in your league, same eligibility as Mangiapane. It's a no-brainer that I'm going with Terabinen right now. Yeah, it's like, hey, it's a contract year. Let's show up. He was nowhere to be found last year. Let's make some money. I love these stories in the NHL. I'm not knocking him too hard. terravine has been pretty consistent here with Carolina. They got a lot of depth, and they look pretty decent early on, although they were schooled a bit by the Anaheim Ducks on Sunday. Uh, I'll intertwine this into the Zacharensky injury replacement conversation, guys. Guy just can't stay healthy. You feel for him. Uh, so he's banged up one or two weeks, as Pete mentioned, internally. Ivan Provorov is running the first power play at two apples the other day. I would look at him and David Juracek, as you mentioned. <laughs> a name I want to throw out there. There's a couple when it comes to external ads uh, replacing an injured Zach Wierenski. Nikki Hag, one goal, two assists at the Vegas Golden Knights. And Brock Faber. I watched a lot of Faber on Saturday with Minnesota. This guy can skate. He has a goal and an assist so far. No power play time, so that probably diminishes the value a bit. But Pete, do you like Brock Faber right now? I do. This guy's like Mr. Minnesota. He was born in Minnesota, played at University of Minnesota, now plays for the Minnesota Wild. I mean, Brock Faber maybe takes away uh, the title of like Brock Nelson as being the most Minnesota name of all time. But he's playing big minutes right up there with Jonas Brodeen among the uh, Wilds time on ice leaders through a couple of games. And yeah, he was really productive uh, on the blue line for University of Minnesota last year. So why not take a chance here? Spurgeon's injured. Addison doesn't have the two-way game maybe to put him onto the top pair or the first power play or both at the same time right now. So Faber's taking advantage here. I like Brock Faber a lot. I'm actually high on the Minnesota Wild. I bet a little bit higher than you guys are because I think that they have the talent in their offense to kind of like carry this team a little bit. However, I don't know if I'm just kind of hurt by what's been happening with Kalen Addison. We talked so much about him last season and we were so excited. We're like, he's the next big thing for the Minnesota Wild. And I just I just wonder if the same thing is going to happen with Brock Faber, right? We get this flash and all of a sudden he falls back a little bit. It takes a while for him to get used to playing in the National League. And then he's another Kalen Addison in the mix. He's not getting power play time, as you mentioned. How long can he really make the best use of the opportunities he's been given, especially when Minnesota starts to play against these juggernauts of teams that they're going to be playing against soon in the schedule. I think the key is to make people forget about Kevin Fiala, right, Pete? Yeah, they're uh, they're trying to make patchwork, right, to to stay competitive. And they've done so, uh, I think, in recent years. They're, I still pencil them in as a playoff team this year. But when you're looking at 
some of the other external replacements. I really, like I said earlier, John Klingberg seeing some power play. One usage for the Maple Leafs. They got a big game coming up Monday against Connor Bedard. They're scoring the puck like crazy right now. Austin Matthews is leading the league in goals with six and two games. And then going back to the well with uh, the Arizona Coyotes, Sean Dursey, power play one. Um, some shifts, but scored a power play goal in the first game of the season at New Jersey. Impressive stuff. I love it. I love it. There's a lot of value out there right now. And speaking of value, our friends over at Skip delivering this question or statement via Instagram. <laughs> this guy is unhappy with Timo Meyer. All we could say is breathe, folks. Breathe. It's early on in this fantasy season. I know people are a little disappointed. Nothing from Heesher, nothing from Tate Thompson, Skinner, Tuck. I mean, the list goes on and on, Anna, but you got to exercise patience, right? I think they got too excited with the preseason run that <laughs> the so. Devils had or something. They thought they were going to go undefeated in the regular season as well. Clearly, that's not what's going on. New Jersey is going to be playing against some tough opponents that are going to grind their gears a little bit. And with Timo Meyer specifically, when he was in San Jose, we talk about this with Eric Carlson all the time. It was Carlson's team. That's why he got all those points, was able to have that ridiculous season. Now he's sharing the wealth in Pittsburgh. Timo Meyer is also sharing the wealth in New Jersey, guys, right? He's not going to be the one and only only guy on their offense who's carrying this team he's still going to have the shot volume I think that went underrated last year but sometimes other guys like elite players Jack Hughes Nico Heischer when he picks up Jesper Bratt they have Tyler Toffoli the list goes on and on all of those guys are going to get a decent amount of points this year so there's going to be a follow-up you can't expect him to be like the Timo Meyer from San Jose on this New Jersey Devils team there's one puck I brought it up quite a bit here in the offseason Pete no, absolutely. That's what's happening there. And there has been a decent sample size now, whether you look at tail end of last season, Stanley Cup playoffs where the Devils won two rounds, and now a couple games this season, 18 points in 34 games. That's not cutting it. That's not what the Devils signed up for. I know the shot volume is always high with Timo Meyer, and he covers the peripheral categories, but you know, you're not looking for the high floor here. You're looking for the ceiling, you want the 40 goal scorer, Timo Meyer, and the Devils haven't gotten it so far because they have so much depth and so many uh, players and the puck can only uh, count three on any goal, right? Yeah, people need to chill. Chill. There's no chill in the Instagram uh, comments, by the way, of your friends uh, over at Skip. A, a lot of hate right now for uh, Connor Brown and the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, some guy was really unhappy. He picked up Boone Jenner or dropped Boone Jenner. Then he got a Hattie the next night. That's just what's going to happen this time of year. But even in Edmonton, like it's coming, right, Pete? I would think so. I mean, I really like the shot volume historically for all those guys, the 300-point scorers from last year, Evander Kane. I know one fan in the questions was you know, saying that he's has been useless so far this season. I think he's going to turn it around. He's... Uh, you know, guy that's going to bring the physicality every single night and and is going to score probably 30 plus goals this season when it's all said and done. So I would be really patient with Edmonton. But again, defensive issues are not going to go away. You thought Ekholm was going to help that, but um, he's starting the season with a hip injury. Is that really going to go away? That's why I'm concerned here. Yeah, they can't make a save again. It's a, it's a reoccurring story with yeah. that market and that team. Uh, some other injuries to monitor closely. We mentioned, mentioned Rope Hints hasn't made his uh, season debut just yet. Matt Boldy was banged up over the weekend for Minnesota. Uh, Steven Stamkos and a day-to-day undisclosed injury. I think they're calling it actually a lower body. Uh, but Tanner Genoa has moved into that top six, so I would look at him. I think he picked up a point or two on Sunday. Um, Sorelli and Essamont's his line mates. Brandon Hangles on the first power play unit. 
I won't lie, I'm starting to get mildly concerned, we'll say it, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because, again, Andre Vasilevsky is not there, and they need to win games like 6-5, unfortunately. I've been concerned about the Tampa Bay Lightning even before all of the Steven Stamko stuff happened. Andre Vasilevsky's a huge blow to this team. He's out for a huge chunk of time as well. So if he doesn't come back before he's predicted to, they're not going to be able to get themselves out of this hole that they're in right now. They don't have the same level of depth and the same level of health that they had in the years where they looked like a dynasty, guys. Like It's hard to let go of a team that was so dominant in the league for so long, but their time is done. Like it's done. It's over this year. They're wow, not going to make the postseason. It. I've been saying this. Like they're not <laughs> going to make the postseason this year. And it's going to be weird to see a postseason without them. But their their window, at least for this year, I think is closed. And uh, we're going to see the Undertaker gift come back this year. I'm telling you right now, Pete, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it's closed because I think Vasilevsky is going to come back after two months or so and get the ship back on track. But how much runway is there going to be? That's that's the issue here. And they're going to be playing yeah. games against some of these teams that can score. You know, they might win some of them, right? Like, but they'll play the Ottawa's and the Buffalo's. They play Ottawa, uh, Buffalo on Tuesday, uh, maybe bounce back game for Buffalo. We'll see. But you're going to see a lot of, you know, six, five wins, five, four losses for Tampa Bay over the next two months of the season. And that'll add up over time. Three straight overs to start the season for the Tampa Bay Lightning, which means Tuesday they play Buffalo, take the under. But yeah, that's my concern is that they can't make mistakes anymore. Like, I think you sort of forget when you have the best goaltender on the planet, Anna, you can make mistakes. Tampa can't do that anymore. They got some great players. My boy Victor Hedman's off to an awesome start offensively. They're looking pretty good. Now Stamkos is banged up. Again, you can't win a season in October, but you can fall behind really, really quickly. So like, that's my curiosity with this team is can they stay afloat for two months without Vasilevsky? And I like Andre Vasilevsky. I'm a big fan of this guy. I think he deserves all of the hype and all of the credit he gets for being an elite, elite goaltender in this league. However, even last season, there were times where he just did not look good. It's not like he's been ridiculously consistent for the yeah. last like two, three years that I have no doubt that when he comes back, he's going to be able to carry this team into the postseason. They're still going to have to climb a huge hill. Maybe it takes some time for him to get back into the old Andre Vasilevsky we're used to seeing. He's no Ilya Sorokin. And that's like a quote of like the day right now. But Elias Rokin has been the most consistent goalie in my eyes for the last couple of seasons. And Andre Vasilevsky, he has high highs, but sometimes he falls off. And I just don't think with the bandwidth the Lightning have this season, they can afford even a little mistake from this guy if they want to make the postseason. And he's going to make some mistakes if he's coming back from an injury like this. Pete, I think we should take a look here at the uh, the upcoming schedule. You guys know I'm big on this. Uh, a 47-game slate here in Week 2, the unofficial second week of the NHL season. I mentioned it. There's uh, three teams, Pete, that we want to look at from the waiver wire perspective. Arizona, Calgary, Detroit, four-game slates. We mentioned some names like Logan Cooley, Nick Schmaltz, Andrew Mangiapane, Noah Hannafin in a contract here as two assists in two games so far. And I've been really, really impressed, Pete, with Detroit and some of the guys on that roster, JT Comfer and uh, Lucas Raymond, among others. Right. So Comfer and Daniel Sprung are playing together, two offseason movers. I looked past Comfer, but uh, he seems to be more productive here than he was so far. You know, at least so far, it's pretty early yeah. than he was in as the 2C in Colorado. But Sprung, man, this guy scores goals like crazy. He had 21 goals last year, career high in 66 games, despite playing on like the fourth line. Now he's playing on the third line, goals in each of his first two games. So, you know, 
don't that's what I look for. You asked earlier, like I always look for power play one. I look for great line mates at even strength. But then the next best thing is looking at those five on five points per 60 minutes leaders and Sprong's always on there producing regardless of lineup placement and maybe the new wrinkle of playing for a new team that nobody's taking seriously. Um, I think the Red Wings have been uh, scoring with the best of them so far through a couple games. And even if you're not looking at a guy like Sprong to get on the score sheet, I mean, he has eight shots on goal across his first two games of this year, right? Just behind yep. Dylan Larkin on that squad. So at the very least, his shot volume has really intrigued me. So that's an area I'm looking at for Daniel Sprong. Let's look at some bets and wagers to wrap here. Um, how much money, Pete, would I have to pay you to bet on Austin Matthews to get a third consecutive hat trick? Do you believe he's going for history on Monday night against Chicago? A, a pretty pretty plum assignment, if you ask me, against a Chicago team with Connor Bedard. Of course, Taylor Hall expected to make his return to the lineup. But no other player in NHL history has recorded three straight hatties. I, I might throw some coin on it. I won't lie. It could definitely happen against Chicago, yeah. right? Peter Mrazek's playing over his head so far, like a 934 save percentage through two games. I mean, that's not going to continue. I mean, between guys like Mrazek and Mackenzie Blackwood with the 51 save loss insane. the other day to the Avs, yeah. there has been some insane goaltending. So maybe you want to take it at, you know outside the house if you're a Vasilevsky owner and not rely so much on Jonas Johansson. But... Yeah, I'm I'm looking for Matthews to have at least another multi-goal game against Connor Bedard and show him up a little bit, right? This kid's only played in the league for a couple of days, and Matthews deserves more love than he does right now. I, I think he's getting a lot of love right now. Maybe it's just because Pete's <laughs> sitting in New York and Nick and I are in Toronto at the moment, but everyone's super hyped about Austin Matthews. I can tell you that for sure. It's making us even like the pursuit of happiness up here in Toronto. Every single time he scores a goal. This my tweet on the weekend then. <laughs> it ain't coming yeah, back. You ain't going to hear that song again. <laughs> it's growing on me. I don't know if it's just because of all the hype around the Leafs right now, but I'll, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of kind of getting me a little bit hype. But Austin Matthews definitely heard what everyone was saying about how he had like a little bit of a slow year last year, which he absolutely did not. I mean, we were way too hard on him last year. He still had a great year and he's popping off. And if there's one player to do it, it's absolutely Austin Matthews to score a Hattie in three consecutive games. So I would say depending on price and very dependent on price. And I think it's hilarious to say, but like Austin Matthews, anytime goal score a minus 130 if you can find that value for monday you hit it i hit that on sunday i don't know if it's going to be there anymore but like a multi-goal game i can see it i'm just so curious to see how they come out against an inferior opponent in chicago maybe there's a prop out there where you take a bedard goal um, and a matthews goal another look i'm looking at to quickly to wrap here tuesday minnesota and uh, montreal they're going to the bell center i think minnesota is going to respond i don't think they were very happy with their performance against the leafs on saturday it was a good start for them and then the Leafs just kept scoring and scoring and scoring. I know Montreal's off to a good start, but I, I feel Montreal's due for like a, a game where they're not great. I feel like when they don't have the pressure on them that they don't have right now, Montreal is just kind of keep rocking and rolling. A guy I'm looking at specifically is Kirby Doc. He played well against the Minnesota Wild last year. And I don't know. I like what the Habs are doing right now. Maybe October's their month, you know? We'll see a fallout in like a couple of weeks, but they're trying to come off to a strong start because they're being a little bit pesky. They want to get under a lot of people's skin. They don't want to be counted out. They're probably not going to make the postseason this year, but both you and I, Nick, have said numerous times, I would not be shocked if early on in the year Montreal was in a playoff spot. I like it. Uh, I'm going to get the Bob Bender sledgehammer out for Tuesday as well. Maybe famous last words. I sledgehammered them on Saturday and they killed me. The Edmonton Oilers 
Bridgestone Arena, Tuesday night, regulation, hammering them everywhere. Hopefully you support me. Send me some messages on Instagram and Twitter right now. I just need it, folks. I need it. It was a tough Saturday. I expected a bit more from Edmonton. Do you like that look, by the way, Anna, the Oilers to go into Nashville and just take care of business finally here? Yeah, it's going to turn around. You know, this dump is not going to last too long. So this has to turn around for Edmonton eventually. It's going to be sooner rather than later, guys. Like, I would be shocked if we saw another week of the same Edmonton Oilers we saw in week one, Nick. Yeah, shocked won't be the word I use if they lose a third straight, especially when I'm putting money on them to beat up the Nashville Predators. So, uh, Anna, we'll leave it at that. Coming up later on this week, the mailbag edition. I can't believe we're already in a week two here. It's crazy. Time is flying, and there's so much happening, too. All of our fans in our comments that left us questions for this episode, they were they were getting a little bit heated, so I'm a little bit excited and a little bit scared for the mailbag episode we have coming up. Yeah, and don't forget, I'm scared on your behalf because October 16, 2023, Anna laid the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning to rest. Just famous, famous last words. And we're going to hold you accountable on that. So that's Anna Dua. Many thanks to Pete Jensen. Many thanks as well to producer Bob Bender. I'm Nick Alberga. You've been listening to NHL Fantasy on Ice, delivered by Skip, the official food delivery app of the NHL.